welcome everybody to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and it is the weekend review for March 14th, 2020. This week, I'll be covering Raw, AEW, Dynamite, and Friday Night Smackdown. But it has been, it has been a weird week, to say the least. A weird week. The NBA... They get their season suspended until until further notice. The NCAA cancels March Madness as a whole. And the NHL postpones their season. The MLB postpones their season. The MLS, among many other sporting companies and uh, many other sporting entities. And... Right now, we're in this weird area where WrestleMania is in very, very big jeopardy. Very big jeopardy. It could be canceled. That's what Tampa officials were saying. I, I was reading the bottom line on ESPN, and it could it's there's a good chance it gets canceled. I hope that's not the case. I hope they move it to another date. Because canceling that as a whole is just bad for fans and just, I don't know, it's just bad as a whole. And this coronavirus pandemic going on, it's got everyone paranoid and being extra cautious is the right thing to do. And we found out AEW's moving events to different places coming up in a few weeks. Raw and SmackDown, well, SmackDown this week is emanating from the Performance Center, and then Raw next week will be emanating from the Performance Center without any fans. It's just a weird time in our country, folks. Just a weird time. But let's get this rolling. Let's get to some positive stuff. Plenty of good stuff this week week in wrestling. We get we start out with Monday Night Raw on Monday, and we get a pretty good Becky Lynch promo to start. She's talking about no joking around. She knows who her opponent is at Mania. It's recapping the Chamber match. There's a video doing that, and then Shayna's message to Becky after her dominant win. And she's talking about Shayna's credentials, then calls Shayna a scumbag and a black hole of charisma. I, I think that's cool. That add some realism to it. And he says, she says, I may be the female dog, but I am the female dog that runs the division. And then calls Shayna a constipated robot. I kind of laughed at that. And she refused to shake Becky's hand after Mania last year and talks about how she took the title from Rousey. And Shayna's been hiding in the shadows to rewrite history. Becky says she beats killers like Shayna Baszler, and she thinks Shayna is underestimating her and will smash her face in come WrestleMania. Hopefully that happens. That's one of the big matches I was looking forward to, along with Drew McIntyre, Brock, and also Edge, Randy Orton. And this was a solid promo, hyping the matchup at Mania. I enjoyed it. Then we get Rey Mysterio versus Angel Garza, and Rey gets the win here. Late in the match, Garza's going for the wing clipper. He sets up Ray in the corner, up top. Ray fights back with headbutts. Shots to the ribs. Ray goes for a destroyer, gets countered. Ray counters that. 6-1-9, then a splash, and Garza loses, surprisingly here. But it's nice to see Ray get a win. 
Ray never can, Ray can really never have a bad match. I, 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 there's not very many matches you can say are bad matches from Rey Mysterio, but I like that they did this here. They made the face not look like a complete dork and lose. I thought this was a pretty good match, match, and uh, I enjoyed it. And a face finally getting a win in a singles match and this kind of four-person feud with uh, Andrade and Humberto also involved in this. After that, we get a video from KO arriving earlier today. He's met by AOP, Murphy, and Rollins with a bag of popcorn. And KO throws his suitcase at AOP and gets beaten down by them. Along with Murphy while Rollins watches and eats his popcorn. After that, we get a video showing Rhea Ripley at the stadium where she's going to defend, well, she possibly will defend her... NXT Championship three weeks at Mania and she's talking about her match and talking a little about her journey to the match and when she first came in she got told she looked like Charlotte when she entered and she changed her look entirely and then that's kind of just hyping up her match at Mania and to be the man you've got to beat the man and she says the crowd's going to go nuts at Mania well we'll see but then Charlotte out to talk next and uh, meet Rhea Ripley the next big thing, the new shiny toy, inspiring. She's, Charlotte's like, oh, that package had me all fired up, kind of in a sarcastic tone. And Rhea doesn't want to be like her because she wants to be herself. She'll never beat Charlotte. And the reason that she's challenging Rhea is that she wants to teach Rhea a lesson. She will bow down to the queen at Mania, that being Rhea. And Rhea interrupts. Charlotte talks about talks before Rhea gets the chance. And then Rhea sucker punches Flair and leaves. Nice little build-up continuing towards their match, upcoming match. And then we get Bobby Lashley versus Zack Ryder with Kurt Hawkins ringside. And this was really just Bobby Lashley with something to do. Uh... Late in the match, Ryder had a brief comeback. He gets hit with a gigantic spine buster. Lashley hits the Dominator and wins. And I thought this was just there for the sake of being there, and it was kind of pointless. But then we get a video recapping the Claymore party on Brock last week. We had Aleister Black in a dark room, and someone knocks. It's Rollins and Murphy, and Rollins gives them a proposition saying he's had a problem with the numbers game recently. Rollins wants to help him. And that by doing that, by joining their side, they will. And Rollins asks him to consider joining the group. Black says, perhaps not. And Rollins does the either you're with me or against me thing. And Black says, you knocked. And to me, those are fighting words. He accepts and he leaves. And Rollins leaves, and I thought this was all right. After that, we get Drew McIntyre versus Eric Rowan. And this was what it needed to be. Early in the match, Rowan charges. McIntyre eats a boot. Rowan goes for Iron Claw. They go outside the ring. McIntyre then throws him into the post and runs him into a barrier. Belly to bellies him outside the ring. And McIntyre did what he did, what everyone has been wanting to see with the cage or then McIntyre 
does something we've all wanted to do to this dumb cage ever ever since it came into existence. McIntyre grabs it off the steps, grabs the steps, and just smashes the cage. Because we all found out last week that it was a dumb tarantula. A giant tarantula. tarantula. Thank goodness we got rid of that thing. And then it's a Glasgow kiss to Rowan. Rowan charges into corner, misses. McIntyre hits a future shock DDT. Claymore for the win. McIntyre continuing to build momentum towards his Mania match. Then we get a video recap of Orton and Beth from last week when Orton RKO'd Beth Phoenix. And then we get find out that Jeff Hardy is returning this Friday on SmackDown. And Paige was supposed to confront SmackDown Women's Champion Bayley. That ended up not having it happening due to travel issues. After that, we get the Kabuki Warriors. Kyrie Sane and Asuka versus Natalia and Liv Morgan. And this was fine for what it was. Trying to accomplish uh, Liv continues her issues with the Riot Squad members. Late in the match, Riot and Logan showed up kind of ringside, and they brawl outside the ring. Liv goes up top for a crossbody. Natty doesn't have anyone to hot tag. Natty gets a roll-up, then discus clothesline for a near fall. Asuka's blind tagged. Natty has a sharpshooter on Sane. Then Asuka hits a kick in the head on Asuka and gets the three count and the win. Like I said, it was fine for what it was. Liv continues her issues with her Riot Squad, well, former Riot Squad comrades. And Natty doesn't have a partner to rely on. And we find out, we'll find it, we may find out that it's Beth coming up here in the next few weeks. But uh, Kabuki Warriors, they've been, when used, one of the most consistently entertaining acts in WWE. Even though their promos are not, they're in Japanese. They are absolutely hilarious, and they're funny, and they're entertaining. One of the more entertaining acts we see week after week on WWE television. I thought this was fine. AJ Styles with the OC cuts a promo talking about how Undertaker stuck his nose in his business, taking those moments away from him, like at Super Showdown and at Elimination Chamber. And... Styles talks about the Roman Reigns match at Mania a couple of years ago and how he folded his jacket and left it in the ring with the fist up. He thought he would have done he should have done that after he lost the streak. AJ Styles is just taking shots at him. But uh Undertaker ruined that moment after that Mania match with Reigns by coming back. He challenges t- challenges Taker to a match at Mania and Styles sees him as a broken down Mark Calloway and says Undertaker should have retired 10 years ago when he was in his prime. But the real reason he came back was his wife. And AJ says Michelle plays Taker like a fiddle, Michelle McCool. Um, talking about how every about he gets how he gets hurt every time he's in the ring and she just calls Michelle the most conniving person he's met in her in his entire life. And he gives Undertaker advice. She'll run you into the ground, but I'm going to help her. And AJ makes a threat saying he's going to make sure Taker dies in that ring at WrestleMania. He's going to take his soul. He's going to he's doing what Taker's wife wants him to do. Styles 
challenges Taker to a one-on-one match at Mania. And he's going to put the proverbial nail in the coffin for Undertaker. I thought this was a really good promo for AJ. And I liked it how it blurred the lines between kayfabe and real life. And I thought it was a damn good promo from AJ Styles. After that, we get Riddick Moss versus Cedric Alexander. And he gets the ricochet treatment and loses to Riddick Moss. Riddick Moss, still your 24-7 champion and the most uninteresting 24-7 champion I've ever seen. And somehow they've made the 24-7 title boring. I don't understand. But uh, we get Edge in the ring with MVP and Randy Orton. MVP says Edge is focusing on the wrong thing. And he says, MVP says, how's your wife? And... MVP gets a spear. Randy attacks Edge. Edge actually RKO's Wharton. It was a pretty good RKO. And Edge is just going manic here because he is mad. Just angry and furious. He grabs two chairs. He's getting ready to do the concerto on Orton. Orton slides out of the ring and on the ramp. And then Edge puts a head arm choke on MVP. MVP then goes to sleep. Then Edge hits an an RKO on the chair on MVP and pretty much tells Randy, this is you, and he concertos MVP twice. And I'm pretty hyped for this now. uh, So far, this has been the best build for any of the Mania matches. Understandably, Edge got his angry revenge, at least some kind of revenge. He's seeking for both himself and Beth. And he sent a, sent a message to Randy Orton here from Mania. Edge has a pretty dark side also. And then Edge runs backstage after Orton as we had to commercial. Uh, Edge's comeback. And like Edge is getting a taste of revenge here. And when, he, when they come back, Edge can't find Orton. But uh, we find out also next that Styles and Undertaker... Contract signing is set for next week's Raw. You also get a video showing Triple H winning the Lifetime Achievement Award award at last week's Arnold Classic. Then we get Paul Heyman talking about Brock's victims. Legends like The Rock, Stone Cold, Cena, Undertaker, Orton, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and no one has been dominant for so long. Drew says, everything Paul said was true, but Brock Lesnar then ran into me. Just in case you thought it was a fluke. And then he uh, he talks about the Claymore party he gave Lesnar last week, hitting three Claymores on him. And he's going to knock Brock on his ass to become reigning, defending WWE champion at WrestleMania. Good little video from Heyman and Drew McIntyre. I really like that. Then we get Edge with Charlie Caruso. And that's, like I said, I addressed that earlier. He... She, gets, she tells Orton that he, not Orton, Edge, that he has left the arena. Then we get Seth Rollins with Murphy versus Aleister Black. And late in the match, Rollins, go, Rollins goes for a roll-up. Uh, Black, moments later, hits a German. Murphy breaks it up, forcing the DQ. AOP gets brought out, and they clobber him. Viking Raiders fighting everybody. Street Profits show up to even the odds. 
they clear the ring and we get a eight-man tag unfortunately because I'd really like to see an Aleister Black and Seth Rollins in a match without any uh, shenanigans but we end up getting an eight-man tag match and it was all right but uh, Rollins and company win Ford's up top Ward goes goes hit Ford hits a tope con hilo on everyone but Rollins Rollins then re-enters the match, stomps Ford, and they win. And I, I, I don't under I don't fully understand why Rollins and company won here. KO attacks him post-match. AOP jumps KO. KO hits one stunner on Akum. Sends Razar over the top. Stunner on Murphy. KO eats a stomp from Rollins. Rollins hits another one. And we close out the show. The reason why I don't understand Rollins and company winning here. The Viking Raiders should have took the pin. If anybody should have took the pin, it should should have been the Viking Raiders because uh, Rollins and company they lost Rollins and Murphy they lost the tag titles at uh, on Raw last week, and then they lost that Elimination Chamber in the rematch. It doesn't make sense for them to win again unless we're setting up another tag match between these guys. If you they should have, my opinion. Rollins and company should have beaten, they should have pinned the Viking Raiders to not make the beginning of this title reign mean nothing for the Street Profits. But this match was all right. But I've like like it's been addressed on social media by multiple people. It's we've seen this combo way too many times already. And it's okay to it was okay to see Rollins regain some momentum on Owens. But I thought this was kind of an underwhelming way to end Raw. Rollins, it's the third stomp on Owens to end the show. Overall, I thought this was a solid episode of Raw. With some nice build towards WrestleMania. They continued the build up for Orton and Edge. And that was awesome. The AJ Styles promo was probably one of the best he's done in the company. The wrestling on this show was not that great. But the promos in the video packages... They were pretty dang good. And McIntyre squashing Rowan and his spider was fun. But other than that, the wrestling on the show was pretty much skippable. Then we get AEW Dynamite from Salt Lake City and the Maverick Center. And to begin the show, we get a Hangman interview with Tony Schiavone. Matt and Nick come with. And they're trying to figure out who the uh, Hangman's partner is going to be since Kenny is out. Uh... Adam says he's not going to team with Matt if he was even the last person on earth. And Hangman's partner is a mystery. We get Ortiz with Santana ringside versus Cody with Brandy and Arn Anderson at ringside. And this was a fine match. Archer, Lance Archer, turns out to be the... Uh, client of Jake the Snake Roberts. I think that's a cool cool thing there. Both guys, big men and badasses pretty much. But late in the match, Archer almost gets involved, but Jake the Snake tells him not to. He advises him not to. And uh, Ortiz goes for the knee. Fisherman's for a near fall. Archer and Roberts then leave the ringside area. Cody misses a beautiful disaster kick. Ortiz counters into a roll-up. Cody then counters that into a crossroad attempt. Ortiz counters. 
Cody attacks the knee in the corner, goes for the figure four leg lock. There was plenty of knee work in this match. And then Ortiz reverses the pressure, but Cody turns him back over in the figure four. Ortiz taps. Santana blindsides Cody post-match. And Santana and Arn have a momentary standoff before Matt and Kenny show up. And I was fine with this. Fine with the Archer tease here. Really kickstarts the angle for blood and guts for that big uh, War Games-like steel cage match. And we get the Jericho video backstage, like post-match immediately. Jericho's talking about how they got the upper hand. But don't forget, we put the roster on notice last week. And then we're going to hurt people. And we're going to beat the hell out of you pumpkin head dip bleeps at Blood and Guts in two weeks. And they're like, where's Nick at? And it's like, oh, he's like, we ran into him backstage, beat the living crap out of him. He's under garage door, bleeding out of his mouth. <laughs> Could be dead, but no, he wasn't dead. But but he might have a headache or a body ache. Come back here and pick up your trash, Jericho says. But that was cool. Kind of building up the intensity, heading, to- heading towards blood and guts. And I like that Cody used a figure four leg lock as a finish here. And... They went to the legs and stuff. Because the only way to win this blood and guts match is uh, by submission or surrender. Which I think is a cool little thing. And after that, we get B. Priestley, who hasn't been on TV since December 11th. Along with Nyla Rose taking on Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida in a tag team match. And I thought this was fine. Didn't think it was bad. Late in the match, we get a step up. Inseguri from Sheeta. Falcon Arrow from Sheeta on Nyla Rose. Priestley breaks it up. Statlander and Rose trade strikes. But Statlander gets decked by a short arm clothesline. Sheeta fights out of a powerbomb attempt. Superplexes Priestley. Spears her. Then Rose follows it up with a beast bomb. Solid tag match. On AEW Dynamite. Priestley looked pretty good here. And Sheeta looked really good though. And Priestley then stomps out Rose post-match. Poses with the championship. And I felt that was kind of odd. Because she's a heel. And she hasn't been on TV in three months. And all of a sudden she's possibly in title contention. Or is that just a message sent? I hope it's just a message sent that she's there. But, uh, yeah, I don't want her to be number one contender just yet. We got to give her some wins and some matches coming up. And we got to have some face challengers for the heel champion and Nyla Rose. Then we get a recap of the events from last week with Dark Order and SCU. And the video from Daniels, the parody of Dark Orders, was absolutely hilarious. He said, screw the Dark Order and tells the story of the Dark Order, making fun of them and saying he was the exalted one is a lie. And he's Daniels is proclaiming that there is no exalted one. He challenges Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, Stu Grayson to singles matches anytime, place. And when he beats them, there will be no exalted one to come save the day. And I'll have proven to the world that Stu and Uno are nothing more than sad, desperate men. If you haven't checked out the Daniels video package, making fun of the Dark Order, I would definitely recommend checking it out. It's on AEW's Twitter. 
It's probably on YouTube. I definitely check that out. After that, we get MJF again and the Butcher and the Blade in a six-man tag match against Jurassic Express, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt. MJF getting all the heat from the crowd, wearing an I pinned Cody shirt once again. And MJF and company get a win after MJF gets the Fujiwara armbar. And I thought Jurassic Express looked really good in this match. And I'll go over the final stages of the match. Jungle Boy tags Luchasaurus in, double choke slam to Blade and MJF stunt. And Jungle Boy missed their spot on the breakup as Butcher throws them on the pin of MJF. And Butcher and Luchasaurus trade strikes before they both go down. Marco stomps, then stomps the crap out of MJF in the corner. Bunny goes up to distract Jungle Boy as he was up top. Blade throws him off the top. Wardlow then strikes Luchasaurus down. Salt of the Earth Fujiwara armbar makes Marco stunt tap out. Like I said, I thought this was fine. MJF winning was the right move here. And uh, Jurassic Express looked pretty good here. But uh, yeah, MJF, he's ranked number two in the title rankings. We could see him coming up to number one here soon. Then we get a video recap of the handicap match last week between Sammy Guevara, Chris Jericho, and Darby Allin. Then we get a video from Darby Allen who throws a skateboard on his vehicle with a Jericho face on it, drives a truck, and has a body bag attached to it. Then we get Britt Baker with Tony Schiavone, and this sets up a new feud for her. She's got a feud with Big Swole, and she's kind of taking shots at Utah. They're, they're uh, hygiene and poor health. And she's a role model. Then Big Swole comes out, says Britt does a bunch of talking. Then Britt hides behind Tony. Says, PSA, Britt, Tony doesn't even like you. And says, Britt says, the only person in your household that matters in pro wrestling is your husband. And it's Cedric Alexander. She takes a, They take a shot at each other's uh, significant others, which I thought that was a nice little quip there. Both work for WWE. Then Swole says... She's married, baby. Taking a, a direct shot at Adam Cole's Adam Cole, baby thing. I thought that was hilarious. Then Britt throws the coffee in Swole's face and leaves. And I thought this was interesting that they made jokes about their significant others working for the opposite company. But I thought it was funny. It, it starts a new feud in the women's division, something we're in desperate need of right now. And uh, Swole working with Baker will help her become a bigger star. And the same likewise, it'll help them both get some seasoning. And it will help them both become more prominent in AEW. But I like the quips here. And like I said, we have another feud in the women's division now. After that, we get Joey Janela and Private Party versus the newly formed Death Triangle, Ray Phoenix, Pentagon Jr., and Pac. And there's some rough stuff late here in this match, but I enjoyed this match quite a bit. Uh, Janela got super kicked out of the ring. Janela goes for a Death Valley driver. And there were some innovative spots. Quinn goes over the top to hit Penta. And Isaiah Cassidy dives off of Pac, who was on Joey Janela's shoulders. 
And then Janela hits a DVD on the apron. Death Valley driver hits the big elbow drop, but only gets a two count on Pack. And there's a kick by Penta, a cutter by Phoenix, package pile driver, foot stomp combo. Phoenix then dives on Private Party. Pack hits a black arrow to get the win. And I thought this was a fun tag match. Janela looked really good here. Hasn't been featured on TV a lot recently. But I thought this was a good debut by the Death Triangle. They had some fun, innovative offense in there. And like I said, Janela looked really good when working with the uh, private party. After the match, they used a triple cross face on him. Best friends and freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy show up. And that's likely setting up a six-man for next week. Pack and Orange Cassidy, they lock eyes. Pack goes after him, but O.C., rolls into the ring and then we get a Dustin Rhodes interview backstage and Duster Dustin's just tired of inner circle running rough shot and says he's stepping up and Hangman has no choice and they're going to do some cowboy bleep tonight then we get an update on Spears trying to find a tag partner and showing the video submissions including the one from Simon Miller from What Culture and these have been entertaining so far, and it's kind of a cool little thing they're doing with Spears as they're trying to reintroduce him back on TV. And then we get JR with Moxley at home, and he tell he's saying Hager needs Hager. He's telling Hager to step up in the batter's box, and Hager that Hager is hitting has hit him harder than anybody else has. Moxley complimenting him, but JR then asks him about blood and guts. What are his plans? And Moxley talks about how he's in Inner Circle's blind spot. After that, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara with the Inner Circle ringside versus Hangman Page and Dustin Rhodes. And that's the main event of the evening. And late in the match, Page and Dustin are up top. Cross body on Jericho by Dustin and Guevara. Hits hit by a moonsault. Actually, crossbody on Jericho and Guevara by Dustin. And then a moonsault by Page on the rest of the inner circle cronies at her ringside. Jericho reverses the buckshot into the walls. Dustin makes the save. Sammy tags in, misses shooting star. Jericho pulls Page off the apron before the buckshot. Page hits a clothesline. Destroyer Dustin, followed by a buckshot lariat on Guevara for the win. And inner circle then jumps them post-match a la EC, uh, WCW. And Omega tries to fight them off. He gets beaten down. He's the Judas effect. Code breaker on Paige. Cody shows up. They're all, they were all checking on uh, Nick Jackson as he was taken in an ambulance into the local hospital. Beats down Jericho for a second. Hager then hits him with a slam. Ortiz returns the favor from earlier, hitting a suplex on Cody on the ramp. And Hager drags Paige up the ramp with a choke. Chair shot to Cody's throat. They end up going for a triple powerbomb spot again. But Matt shows up, makes the save. He's angry. He's hitting super kicks, spears, and he's mad. He saves Hangman, but Paige and Jackson lock eyes there. And Matt flips him off to return the favor. Jackson then eats a chair shot to the head, followed by Paige. Jericho sits on the chair with Jackson underneath him. They flip everybody off, and that's the end of the show. But I liked that Jackson in this situation saved Paige, 
but he doesn't really see eye to eye with him. But I felt like this was practically a rehash of last week. It's fine. I get their running rough shot over AEW. And certainly they have over the last few weeks, but hopefully they don't go all NWO on us and have the faces never get their heat back. But I thought this show overall was solid with some good tag team wrestling. Favorite stuff on the show was the big swole Britt Baker interaction and the death triangle versus Joey Janela and Private Party match. Those were two pretty good things I thought I found from the show. The Christopher Daniels video with Dark Order was awesome. And I liked that they continued the feud with Matt and Hangman Adam Page. But I felt like last week's episode was a little better though, but wasn't their best outing, but I still still thought it was a pretty good show from AEW. And the final show I watched this week was Friday Night Smackdown. And that emanated from the Performance Center with no fans as the news trickled out. News continued to roll out about the coronavirus and all the companies moving their events or canceling their events or holding them without fans. And WWE decided to, it was best to hold... To hold the upcoming SmackDown and Raw both at the Performance Center without the fans. And uh, Triple H introduces us to the Performance Center and talks about the Performance Center and who has come through here. And it'll be different from anything you've seen before. And it certainly was. And he wants to put a smile on our face. And no fans in the arena, but just a bunch of empty seats. Weird sight to see. And Michael Cole is joined by guest commentator Triple H, and it was supposed to be for just one segment. And the first thing we get out of the night is Sasha Banks and Bayley and Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss in a tag team match. Before that, Bayley and Sasha cut a promo. They're talking about the how they built the Performance Center, pretty much. And they take a shot at Paige by saying it's our house because Paige was supposed to show up with an interview to interview Bayley, but uh, travel stuff was the travel the travel ban was uh, in effect, so they couldn't do that. And they're asking where Paige was. And then Cole, like I said, had travel issues and saying Paige and everyone are all jealous of them and Bliss and Cross interrupt and Bliss and Cross pretty much challenge them for it to a tag match. And Bailey calls them idiots and this is just eerie. It's weird seeing a match with no fans in it, no noise. Uh, there's some funny stuff in there. Uh, Triple H on commentary was fantastic. And late in the match, uh, crosses up top. Nikki hits a cross body. Bailey breaks up a pin. Bliss hits a big right to Bailey. Asuka throws Bliss into the ring step. She shows up. Bank statement on Bliss. Not Bliss. Bank statement on Cross, and Cross ends up tapping out. And I thought this was all right. It was an all right match, and it really hit, kicks off the issues heading towards Mania between the Bliss Cross Applesauce and uh, the Kabuki Warriors. And <laughs> Triple H made a funny quip, and he was on fire all night. He did certainly make me smile. He made me laugh out loud. 
multiple times throughout this show. He says, Triple H believes Asuka came in through the crowd and there's no crowd. And that they're doing the best they can with the situation they're dealt with. That's why I thought they are doing the best they could with the situation they were dealt with. And this was a pretty enjoyable show. Then we get a video recap of Goldberg and Reigns' encounter from last week that set up their Mania matchup. Michael Cole with a sit-down interview with Roman in the ring. And they're talking about the upcoming match at Mania. And it says he feels good to be closer back to the, be, being back to the main event. And he addressed the critics that he put himself in the main event at Mania. And if he can headline small towns every week, then he can headline Mania. And he really doesn't care about the critics. And then it's the spear versus spear conversation. He says he has a lot of respect for Goldberg. But we don't have time for a part-timer. This sounds a whole like a lot like Rollins last year. And we know how that turned out. The fans ended up turning their back on him. There was nothing bad with this promo, but I don't know. I hope Roman Roman wins, but I, I if the if this match does take place, I have a fan I have a feeling the fans still might crap on it. But I hope it's exciting. I hope it's hard hitting. I hope it's just not about one move. Well, that's what Roman says. And his experience shows it. And he says he's going to whoop Goldberg's ass at Mania to take back the Universal Championship. That he never lost. Then we get Kayla Braxton backstage with Cesaro at Shinsuke Nakamura and the new IC champion, Sami Zayn. Kayla says, you're not scheduled for this interview. And that they were bumped. A joke from the show, The Bump. And it says they have a lot of celebrating to do. It's actually Jeff Hardy that joins Kayla. And says he's been doing a lot of soul searching. And he's happy to be back. Baron Corbin interrupts. Takes some cheap shots. Makes some drunk jokes about Jeff Hardy and his past. And Elias then shows up. Actually, Jeff says, oh, you have a match tonight against me. So we get Baron Corbin versus Jeff Hardy later in the night. Elias strums his guitar, says he wrote a song about what Baron Corbin did to him last week. Baron doesn't want it, so he leaves, pretty much. And then they're showing the Tag Team Elimination Chamber match from uh, Elimination Chamber just this previous Sunday. I was fine with it. It fills time. It was, it was a pretty good match, pretty enjoyable match. But then, after that, we get Daniel Bryan talking to Drew Gulak. And really, he believes that Drew Gulak found holes in his game, and he wants Drew to help him out, actually. He's willing to learn from him. And ask Gulak if he's ready to teach. Sami Zayn and company says it's funny that he denied his proposal to join their group a couple weeks ago. And it's funny how he's IC champion now, and Daniel Bryan is a shell of himself. And Daniel Bryan, he's having, he has an issue with Sami Zayn, but Cesaro says, if you have an issue with him, you got an issue with me. And I was like, oh, great. We're getting Cesaro versus Daniel Bryan later in the night. Should be good. At the end of the interview, at the end, and at the end of the interview, Drew Gulak says, nobody, and then (laughs) leaves. And we get Bryan versus Cesaro later in the night. And like I said earlier, it, they showed the, Elimination Chamber Tag Team Championship match after that. And post that, it was Miz and Morrison in the ring. Miz and Morrison in the ring talking about how they won the championships in their first match together. They're still champs now. And 
there's going to be no you suck chance because there's no crowd. And they did a bit where they asked if anyone doesn't think that I'm the greatest technician that the business has ever seen. Miz asks that with different stuff about each of them, get no response. And then Miz says, then Miz says he doesn't suck. He's not from Orlando and pretty much says they're the greatest tag team of the 21st century. Their old catchphrase, be jealous. I like the Miz and Morrison. They're fun. But uh, before the next match, we get Mojo Raleigh talking about Rob Gronkowski and talking about his status and what he will be at SmackDown next week. Triple H and Mojo. Well, Mojo's like, get hyped, get hyped. And Triple H and then Mojo Raleigh shake Michael Cole. And that was a sight to see. Triple H also addressed something before the uh, Shinsuke Nakamura match. And it was pretty funny. And like, after Shinsuke Nakamura said there, yeah, they'll get anything they want. And Shinsuke Nakamura did not say anything, not say a word in that uh, exchange with Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. And Triple H, he joined commentary earlier on the night, like I said, but he got to join it permanently. I think it was just due to social media response. And he was on commentary the whole entire night, and he was the highlight of the night, in my opinion. But after, but before I get more into that, let's go Daniel Bryan with Drew Gulak versus Cesaro with Shinsuke and Sammy. And Sammy joins commentary for this one. And this was not much of a match, but uh, Shinsuke, uh, not Shinsuke, but Bryan wins after a bunch of pin exchanges and wins with an inside cradle. And I thought the match was kind of a waste because they literally started the match and went to commercial right before that. It had potential, but it was kind of hampered by time constraints and really, I thought, ended way too soon. But it was okay. Brian gets a win there. And then Drew, Triple H, draws a soul patch on Cole. I felt for Cole here, but he, he was the butt of the jokes all night. And there was some funny stuff with Triple H saying how he got demoted and yet I'm working more and I'm busy and stuff. It was, Triple H was awesome. And we find out that Gronkowski will announce his status next week along with Goldberg and Roman Reigns signing their contract for their Universal Championship match at WrestleMania. And then we get Jeff Jeff Hardy versus Baron Corbin with Elias on commentary. A lot of guest commentators here. Kind of a short match. Uh, Jeff gets hit with a deep six for a near fall. Corbin's talking trash to Elias as this match is going on. Elias then strums his guitar, and Corbin gets the end of days reversed. Twist of fury, as Cole calls it. It's a twist of fate, but it's a neck breaker by Jeff. Twist, I think Matt, They from what I was reading online, Matt has the uh, trademark for twist of fate. So they're going to call it the twist of fury, which sounds horrible. But uh, he hits the neckbreaker on Corbin, and Swanton Bomb gets it done for Jeff. And like I said, nothing all that great. Nice to see Jeff Hardy back, but a quick win by Jeff. And it's kind of issues are going to continue with Corbin and Elias moving forward. Triple H talks again, addressing the fans, saying they're the most important part of them. That's what they're missing, but you're here with us in our hearts. And then we get John Cena returning to talk about his upcoming match with The Fiend. And Michael Cole is the one conducting the interview. And 
this is some realism thrown in here. I felt like John, Bray Wyatt's blaming their blaming his failure on John Cena back when he lost at WrestleMania 30, and Cena has a long list of people who have done the same thing, including superstars and those on the internet. And he says, Wyatt's failure was because Wyatt got lazy and gave up and blamed me. And he talked about how many times Cena has faced, faced, well, he's faced, he talks about how many times he himself has faced setbacks. He lists them, says he overcomes and gets back in the fight every time. That's what's different about him. But But when the work gets too heavy, the other people blame someone else. And really, if somebody has something to say, they need an attitude adjustment. And Cena accepts a challenge to invest in the future. He says, why isn't the future? And why on earth would they give him another fifth or sixth chance? And he says the match at Mania will not be, will not steal the show. It'll be uncomfortable physically. And it'll be the end of the hype of the most overvalued and overrated superstar in existence, Bray Wyatt. Firefly version of Bray Wyatt shows up. And even though he's saying, Cena's saying mean stuff, he's happy to he's happy to see him again. And he's saying Wyatt's saying he's not the sick one. He says you are, and Wyatt problem problem Wyatt's problem before was he wasn't listening to the voices. But he does listen to the voices. He says, "Why Cena doesn't care about the future. He only cares about himself, and he craves the spotlight. Then doesn't care who who or who doesn't get buried. And that WrestleMania match took something away from him. And like I said, the voices wouldn't stop talking to Wyatt, and Wyatt finally decided to embrace them, and it turned into the Funhouse. And he, Cena tore him apart." But the fiend put himself put Bray Wyatt back together, and Wyatt says at Mania, it will be a slaughter, and you just don't know it yet. He says, "Let me in," and then Fiend shows his face, and that's the end of SmackDown. And honestly, that was a pretty dang good promo setting up the match, adding some realism in there, and it felt it was it it was intense. I'll say that that was an intense promo, very good. Even though they had no crowd there, you could feel the tense nature of it. And really, overall, this SmackDown was about as good as you could expect with no crowd. And I liked that they were doing shoot-like things a bit here and there, adding a dose of reality during this show. This Wyatt, especially the Wyatt and Cena segments, and throughout the show, including Jeff Hardy and Triple H on commentary. The wrestling wasn't very good, but really, Triple H and Cole's interactions, Triple H namely, were a highlight of the show. I laughed out loud multiple times during the show. Triple H made me laugh so many times. He was fantastic on commentary. I'm happy they decided to keep him on after that one segment. He was just awesome. He made the show very enjoyable. And... I can't really say that. I don't laugh out loud very often at WWE show WWE shows, but man, Triple H made me laugh out loud so many times during that show. And really, this was something positive that we needed in this time of crisis with the coronavirus pandemic canceling events and postponing them. We needed something like this. And it was a nice to take shut your brain off 
forget about all that stuff and just enjoy the show. And really, kudos to WWE. They put out an enjoyable show, especially with the circumstances they were dealt. But let's go for the ranking. Let's get the rankings done for this week. It's a tough tough one to rank this week. I'll say SmackDown was number three for this week. Um, The wrestling wasn't that good, but really it was an enjoyable show. Not anything to take away from them. But it's still number three for me this week. Well, the one week that will appear on this show. But I still really enjoyed it. Triple H was just fantastic. Number two, I will say, is Monday Night Raw. The wrestling wasn't that great on the show. But still, they did some solid build-up for WrestleMania coming up. And number one was AEW Dynamite. Still consistently the best show that I've been watching over the last few months. But yeah, Really, nothing was that bad this week. Everything was pretty solid. We got great buildup for Edge and Randy Orton coming up at WrestleMania, hopefully. And we got some nice buildup heading towards Blood and Guts. And SmackDown was still pretty good considering the circumstances they were dealt. So nothing really awful this week. And still, solid stuff all around. 3 2 one 3 SmackDown, 2 Raw, 1 AEW Dynamite. Coming up next week, it'll be another episode of the Weekend Review. I will return with the same format, Raw, AEW Dynamite, and NWA Power. It should, should be, I think it's a super show for Power coming up next week, so a longer episode of that. But uh, be ready for that coming up next week, next Friday. And... Uh, and make sure to subscribe if you haven't already to my podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on the iHeartRadio app. And if you haven't already, tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter or Facebook at SigDaddyWrestle. But until next time, this is Sig Daddy signing off, thanking you all for listening, and so long, everybody.